Thank you very much. And uh, wow, that was great. Great singing too. Great worship. I, uh, I, I always think, you know, when you hear an introduction like that, that was so gracious, Denny. I mean, it was just exactly the way I wrote it. And, and but, but, but no, seriously, very, very gracious. And I always think, uh, you know, you're, you're probably sitting there going, you know what, it was kind of chilly this morning and we almost, we could have stayed home and maybe, you know, worked in the yard and it was kind of starting to get sunny. And you, you probably are walking in here and by the time you hear that introduction, you're going, you know what, this better be good. And so I want us to begin this morning by talking about dealing with disappointment. Uh, no, that's not true. No, actually, uh, I, I, I want to uh, start. When I, was a, when I was in middle school, um, one of the scariest parts of my experiences as a middle school kid was, um, it, I was really traumatized by this. In seventh grade, um, we had to take classes in ballroom dancing. Um, in, in gym class. And I don't, I don't think they do this too much anymore because of the uh, separation of, of, of school and dance. But, but, uh, but, but back then, it was, it, I grew up in North Carolina, and I think part of the idea was to try to help us to become, you know, Southern gentlemen. And, um, and, and I can still remember, uh, it was so intimidating. Because first of all, when I was in seventh grade, I thought girls had cooties. Uh, now, by eighth grade, I'm going, I like cooties. But uh, in, in seventh grade, this was, uh, this was preposterous. Plus, this was gym class, right? Gym is where we run outside and, and, and throw objects at each other and, and, and do things that build character. Uh, but but, but uh, here we are in, in gym class, and, 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 uh, and it, was just, uh, it was just an outrage. And then, of course, um, the person that taught our ballroom dancing class was our gym teacher, who was also our football coach. Uh, so, yeah, you can you know, imagine his expertise uh, and finesse on the dance floor. I mean, he could make a box step sound like calisthenics, like, one, two, three, slide. I mean, you're, you're sure that if you got the steps wrong, you'd be, Robbins, take a lap. Sally, give me five. And, and, and so everybody's totally intimidated. You walk into this room that smells like athletic gear. And, uh, and, 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 and then the girls, this was the, this was the worst the girls had to line up against the bleachers. I don't know if any of you ladies had to endure this, but the girls had to line up against the bleachers. And the idea was, of course, that we guys <clears throat> would, would go uh, and invite a partner to dance with us. And again, I, I'm sure the intention was that, uh, you know, that, that it was going to be a wonderful uh, lesson in Southern gentility, uh, you know, but, but, but I'm a 12-year-old guy, maybe 13 at the most. Like, I'm going to walk over to these girls and go, you know, my lady. You know, I mean, uh, you know, basically, we're, we're walking up and down looking at these poor girls like a rack of meat. I mean, it is like, it is like, honestly, you're just walking up and down glaring at them like a, like a, like a sheik, you know, shopping for camels. And, and, and it'd be like, no, big neck, skinny legs, fat arms. Uh, okay, come on. And then they come out and then you're supposed to dance with this person. Of course, you do not want to make eye contact because you will burst into flame. And, uh, and, and, and so, I mean, the whole thing was just like these bad puppets, these stick figures out there, uh, just completely intimidated, staring at our feet. And all the while, the teachers were standing around us, listening to the music going, isn't this beautiful? Isn't this wonderful? And we're going, no. And the funny thing is when I look back at those days in middle school, in gym class, I mean, I'm pretty sure the person who invented ballroom dancing never intended it to be 
that kind of experience. That, that, that I suppose the person who invented ballroom dancing intended it to be this experience where, where two people would come together and, and, um, and, and begin to gaze into one another's face and then begin to, to move together uh, in this uh, growing and developing intimacy. And I mentioned this this morning because, because one of the ways I love to think about, one of the ways I think really, really uh, characterizes this adventure uh, of, of the, the life of faith is that in many, many ways, it's like a dance. It's like a dance. But I also think one of the really bad ways we mess up the dance is that we change it from a focus on our partner to a focus on our feet. There might even be some people here this morning, uh, and, and there are many, many people outside these walls. When they think about Christianity, whatever they think, they think of it as kind of basically getting all the steps right, right? You don't step here, don't step there, don't step, slide. You know, like, like you got to live your life to you make sure you do not step on God's toes. You know, that, that, that's basically what they think, what they don't realize. This is the wonder of the gospel. This is what just continually stuns me is no, 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 no. The life of faith is about a God who invites us. Even though we were all of us wallflowers, God invites us to dance, to, to gaze into his face, to begin to move with him in this developing intimacy so that we can be embraced and led by the Lord of the dance himself, Jesus. What an amazing, amazing drama. This is the God's call us. And yet I'm convinced that one of the reasons a lot of us, even as believers, don't enjoy the passion and the romance of the dance is that we do not understand the wonder of that dance. Somehow we think it's all about getting the steps right. Don't do this, don't do that. Don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, don't go out with the girls that do. And, 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 and what happens is we end up missing the wonder, the wonder of the dance. I think in many, many ways, that was, that was the confusion. That was the error of a young man encountered by Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, if you have a Bible this morning, I want to invite you to turn me to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. This is one of those episodes that most of us would be familiar with. It's a passage you've probably heard before. But it's an amazing study in what it means to miss the joy of the dance. Matthew chapter 19. And we're going to begin reading in verse 16. Matthew 19, 16. Now, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Verse 17, why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones, the man inquired. Jesus replied, well, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbors yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and I will give you treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. This is a picture, isn't it, of a guy who, who did not understand anything 
about the dance, right? He, he, he doesn't feel any rhythm in his bones. He, he doesn't hear the song. Uh, he, he's not moved by the music. He's got no moves whatsoever. In, in short, he is a fairly typical North American white male. Uh, I mean, uh, basically, he just doesn't really get it. And, and, and yet what's striking is that as you begin to look at this guy's story, Matthew helps us to understand why this guy misses the wonder of, of this dance of, of, of faith. If we look back at the text, uh, first of all, verse 16, um, right off the bat, Matthew helps us to see that this guy asks the wrong question. He asks the wrong question. Uh, Verse 16, a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Now, to be fair, in some ways, that's an amazing question. Um, and, and, and it's the perfect question to ask Jesus, right? I I mean, if, 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 if you want to find out about eternal life, who else would you ask? If you, got, if you want to know something about the blues, you go to B.B. King. If you want to know about a talk show, you go to Oprah. You want to know about archery, you go to Katniss. Uh, you want to know about pharmaceuticals, Lance Armstrong. But, but if you want to know something about eternal life, you're going to go to Jesus, right? When you, you're talking to Jesus, you're face, you, what are you going to do? You're not going to say, hey, dude, where'd you get the sandals? If you're talking to Jesus, this is the perfect question to ask. And in fact, it's a question it's a question that's written in our heart. It's a question we were born to ask, every single one of us. He, 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 all of us, in, in all of our different ways, ultimately it's what we're all asking is, how do I get life to the full? It was Augustine who said, our hearts are restless until we find our rest in the Pascal, the French physicist and mathematician said that there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every human being and we try to fill it with all kinds of created things but it can only be filled with God, the creator. In, in, in some ways, this is the perfect question to ask. What must I do to have eternal life? But here's what made it a bad question. What made it a bad question is that he thought eternal life was about what? What he did not understand is eternal life is about who? You see, this guy, this guy was basically trying to reduce the dance of faith. He was trying to reduce eternal life down to a few basic steps. Do this, don't do that, get that, buy this, go there, and you have nailed it. What good thing. Notice it's not plural either. You know, it's like, just give me one good, just bottom line this thing for me, Jesus. What good thing. We all struggle with that, don't we? I, I call it, I call it step on a crack, Christianity. Step on a crack, Christian. Remember, when I was a little kid growing up in North Carolina, but I found this to be universal. There was a proverb we all grew up with, an aphorism that, that, uh, that haunted us. And, and the, 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 the aphorism was this, step on a crack and what? You break your mother. That, that's just science. And, uh, and, and, and I remember as a little kid, this just freaked me out. Step on a crack. You'll break your mother's back. I mean, I remember like a five-year-old kid go, holy cow, that's a lot of responsibility. You know, I, I mean, I mean mom, 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 whoa, sidewalk. Just, you know, I mean, it's like, whoa. I mean, to this day, I, I avoid uh, pavement. I mean, it was just, it was just, it's just this sense of like, wow. You, you, you don't, and, and in my neighborhood, in my neighborhood, there are all these other iterations. Like it wasn't just, you know, step on a crack, you break your mother's back. 
It, it was like, you know, step in a ditch, you make your mama itch. Uh, you know, right? Step in a hole, you give your mama mole. Uh, step on the grass and I don't remember how that ended, but, but, but I mean, basically it was like, it was like you just walked around scared to death. You couldn't enjoy the scenery. You couldn't explore the horizon. You're just focused on your feet. That's all. This guy was trying to reduce everything in the life of faith down to a few simple steps. When, when I was a teenager, I used to think of the Christian life like this. The Christian life was about getting everything right, right? Like, like you, you, you know, you just don't screw up. Like, I remember to me, I thought of God as, well, I thought of life as kind of like a, a swimming pool. Like we're all in the pool, right? And we're all splashing around and, 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 and some people are obediently swimming laps and God likes those people. And, and, and some people are involved in horseplay, right? And, and they seem to be getting away with it. And then there's some people who kind of seem like they're kind of in over their heads and they're going down and God doesn't seem to notice. And meanwhile, uh, you know, God, Jesus was kind of like the cosmic lifeguard, you know? He's up there on the high throne. He's kind of all, you know, sunny and buff and tan. And, and, uh, and, 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 uh, and, and, and if he did yell anything, it was just a commandment. It was just, it was just, you know, uh, you know, you know, stop running, no sinning, that's fornication. And we just sort of yell stuff from, from the chair. What I didn't understand until my freshman year of college was, no, 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 this is not about a God who yells out commandments. It's about a God who dives down into the pool of our need and rescues us. This is a God who comes to us because we can't get the steps right, because we don't do the steps right. This guy in Matthew, he did not understand this truth. He thought the life of faith was about what it is always about who. He was asking the wrong question. But he asked the wrong question in part because, because uh, frankly, he had the wrong attitude. He had the wrong attitude. Look at verse 17. Let's look at the text a moment. If you go back through the text, beginning in verse 17, why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. And so the guy goes, well, well which ones? Which ones? Jesus said, well, uh, you know, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother, love your neighbors yourself. It's like, are these ringing a bell? Uh, all these I have kept, the young man said, what do I still lack? You just hear this vibe, don't you? You just kind of get this, this, this attitude that, that, that is not really, it's not really serious. It's not really humble. He's kind of, he's kind of pretending, you know, what do I still lack? It would be like, it'd be like, uh, let, let's say you're, 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 you're a, a middle school student and a middle school person and you invite one of your friends to come over to the house uh, on Friday night and they say, okay, but how long do I have to stay? Right, there's just, kind of a, there's just kind of a vibe there that sort of messes up the whole encounter. Or, or um, maybe this is a better example. Let, let's say, um, let's say you're, it's a wedding, it's a wedding. And, um, and the preacher says to the groom, you know, do, you, do you promise to love this woman as long as, as you both shall live? And, and he, he looks and says, well, how long do you think she's going to live? You know, they're, 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 I mean, there's just a sense there in which he's kind of trying to hedge his bets. 
it, it, it's, not really, it's not really sincere. I mean, the main reason really this guy was asking the wrong question is because ultimately this guy had the wrong attitude. I wonder maybe if that's exactly the question Jesus was asking here when he said, why do you ask me what is it? He wasn't saying, why are you asking me this question? We've already seen that Jesus is precisely the question. He's precisely the person whom one would post a question about eternal life. Not, 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 not why do you ask me, but why are you asking? The first four words of the state, why do you ask? What is in your heart? Is there truly a humility? Is there a willingness? Is there a hunger? This guy asked the wrong question because he had the wrong attitude. And it shouldn't surprise us there that as Matthew continues the narrative that we discover the guy makes the wrong choice. He makes the wrong choice. Look at verse 22. When the young man heard Jesus' response, he went away sad because he had great wealth. When he heard Jesus' answer, he went away sad because he had great wealth. That's an odd, that's an odd statement. Isn't it? I, mean, I mean, it is to me. I mean, because, because you don't normally hear someone say that they're really sad because they have great wealth, right? Remember, I guess it was like about a year ago, I can't remember, there was this big lottery in, here in, you know, like a Powerball deal or something in, in Pennsylvania and in several states. And I don't remember what the award was, you know, millions and millions of dollars. Uh, and people who never even ever, you know, bet on the lottery were in the lottery for this. And, 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 but I don't remember anybody at the time, you know, saying, uh, uh, you know, are you going to, are you going to enter the lottery? Nobody said, no, no, because I might, I might win. And then I'd be so unhappy. You know, in other words, most of us don't think, yeah, yeah, I, I, I didn't have a lot of money, and that would, and that would be, uh, that'd be so unfortunate. I mean, most of us don't think of, of unha- we, we live in a culture where it's precisely the opposite, isn't it? That, that, that wealth would be the source of, of great joy. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad because, Matthew said, he had great wealth. I didn't understand this. The first several times I did not understand, I'm not sure I fully really comprehended it until about, I'm going to say maybe seven years ago, my wife and I were at one of our very favorite restaurants. Now, I know looking at me, you might be going, well, you must not be too picky, but um, <clears throat> yeah, not funny, but, uh, but, but this is one of my favorite restaurants in Charleston, South Carolina. It's a place called Hyman's Seafood. Hyman, has anybody ever been to Hyman's Seafood? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Well, it's it, it, it's one of the great things about Hyman Seafood is that um, is that as soon as you sit down, now I remember this is a North Carolina boy talking, but as soon as you are seated at your table, they bring to your table a large bowl of boiled peanuts. Boiled peanuts. Um, I know it's not a, a dish that is uh, that is uh, treasured here in Western Pennsylvania, but but boiled peanuts. Let me just explain. Is this amazing delicacy in the South where you might drive down the road and, and you'll see uh, uh, this shack on the side of the road with a big kettle, a cauldron, sitting over a fire, and and peanuts are boiling in it. They've been there for maybe a couple of months, and uh, and, and and somebody just continually adds salt to it until someone stops by and says, "I'd like a." 
a boiled bag of boiled peanuts. And, and, and so they put that in the bag and you eat them. And the way you eat them is you bite the end of the shell and then you suck out the juice. They're very juicy. You suck out the juice and you get this combination of salt and, and, and dirt, it's protein. And uh, I mean, it's just unbelievable. And, and, uh, and never had I been to a restaurant where they actually serve this at the beginning, where some people bring you like a little breadstick or uh, tomatoes. No, thank you. These guys bring you boiled peanuts, a big bowl. And I am eating these things like it is my job. I mean, literally, my wife reached over and said, get out of the way. And, uh, and, and, and I'm eating these boiled peanuts. It's fantastic. I get another bowl because I can't believe it. These are so good. And, and now here comes my entree, this unbelievable plate filled with delicious golden fried shrimp, fried shrimp. And they are so good. I mean, I take that first bite and it is unbelievable. And somewhere around the third bite is when it hits me. I can't eat anymore. I'm full. I'm full. This amazing plate of fried shrimp, beautiful fried shrimp, expensive fried shrimp, but I am too full to eat it because I filled myself on boiled peanuts. You know what? That night, I left the table sad because I was full. That's the story of this guy. That's the story of this guy. He had worked so hard to fill his life, to, 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 to find eternal life, that, that there was just this point where there was no real hunger, and yet there was a hunger so deep he wanted with all of his heart to fill it, but he couldn't. And when Jesus said, well, look, if you really want to shuck it down, just come and follow me. Stop trying to do all the steps. Yes, these commandments are important commandments, but if you really want to get it down to the end, Jesus said, look, come follow me. Sell all of your stuff. Get rid of all of your fullness. And then in your emptiness, you can find joy. I wonder... I wonder if there's some of us here today. That's our story. And, you know, the, the, I mean, that, that, that's, that, that's, it's understandable. That's kind of the story of our culture is that, the, that we want so bad to feast uh, at, at, at the world's table that we forget that God's goodness is so much better. And so we end up basically filling ourselves on peanuts and turning away from the life for which we were created, life eternal. And it happens, to, it happens to, to all of us. It happens to, to, to middle school kids, high school kids. It happens to older people. It happens to all of us. We want so bad to be filled. We walk away empty. Now, why this morning is this passage important to us? Matthew chapter 19. What, what, what is this passage really? What does it have to say to us? I think this morning, one of the reasons that uh, this passage might be worth our hearing is that there, there are perhaps two different groups of people in, in the room this morning. There's, there's one group of people in the room this morning, maybe, and this might be you, that sort of struggles with discouragement in the Christian life. That you just feel discouraged, that you, that, that you don't feel the joy of the dance. And, and you're not sure why, but, but if we were somehow to kind of talk about it, it, it might come down to discouragement. I can still remember my very first kiss. It's about five years ago. And, uh, oh, okay, now see, you're laughing, but it has changed our marriage. But no, I remember, I remember my very first kiss. I was about, I was about eighth grade. And, um, 
And I remember watching TV and, and movies and stuff, and I'd seen kissing. And, and I remember somewhere in there thinking to myself, that's something I'd like to participate in. But I, I also had this sense that I didn't quite get it, you know? It seemed like it was taking them longer to do than what I knew to do. And so, so I asked some of my expert buddies in ninth grade uh, for some coaching, and they had fantastic tips. Uh, they gave me some great stuff, some really good insight. Uh, and, and so I thought, yeah, 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 I can do that. And, and, and so uh, there we were at this uh, party about ninth grade, eighth to ninth grade. And, uh, and I remember we're down in the basement and the Righteous Brothers were on the uh, record, you know, you'll never close your... And, 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 and I remember uh, being with, uh, I, my, my girlfriend was a girl by the name of Dolly. Uh, in fact, she went on to be in country music. That's not true. But uh, anyway, I would date Dolly and, uh, and, I, and I thought this is, the, this is the right moment. This is like, this is it, kisser. Uh, and so I began to go through my, you know, review my coaching and, and sort of go through the checklist, sort of like a pilot pre-launch. And, and, uh, and, and I remembered things that the guys had told me, like, okay, you got to have your eyes closed, like a little bit. Not, not a lot, you know, like you don't want to miss her, uh, you know, or, or, or plant one on her nostril, but, but, but uh, you, you, you kind of like that, you know. And, and then I knew I was supposed to be saying stuff, right, like, oh, baby, baby. But <clears throat> I knew that how do you say, oh, baby, baby, when you're kissing somebody? Like, oh, baby, 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 baby. You know, and, and, and so I go on. And, and, and the more I start to think about this, the more I start to psych myself out. So I start going through all the different steps of the, all the different uh, coaching tips and everything. And, it, and, I, and I just go, oh, this is going to be bad. This is going to be ugly. This is going to be humiliating. Dolly's going to stop right in the middle of it and go, wait a minute. Hey, watch this. And, and it'll be it. I'll never be able to date until I'm married. And, and, and my mind just starts spinning. And then in what should have been this wonderful moment of engagement, instead, I'm kind of going, pull up, pull up, pull up. Mayday, mayday, abort. I mean, it, you know, it's funny. James Taylor has this song where he says, first kiss ever I took. Like a page from a romance book, the sky opened and the earth shook. Not me. <laughs> Not me. One big, huge intimidation, scared. I blew the whole thing because I thought the whole thing was about what must I do. I thought it was about what. And I forgot it was about who. And there are probably some of us in this room today who have never been able to fully enjoy the dance because they don't understand it's a dance of grace. It's by God who recognizes that we cannot get the steps right, that we have failed to get the steps right. It's not about step here, don't step there. You say, well, Duffy, are you saying the steps don't matter? Of course they matter. If I'm going to dance, the idea is to build intimacy with my partner, but you never build intimacy from the feet up. It's from the fellowship down. It starts with who, not what. That's why the writer of Hebrews you know, in chapter 12, he said, run the race with perseverance, looking unto Jesus. You don't look onto your feet. You're not going to run very far looking at your feet. You keep your eyes on the prize. You look unto Jesus. Now, I, I think some of us here this morning don't enjoy the dance of faith because we are discouraged. We do not understand. This is about a God who embraces us. In all of our bad steps, and it's like the kid who, who you know, who came back from a, uh, he was a high school kid, he came back from a fall retreat, and, and, and he, he had made a commitment to Jesus. 
You know, he wants to get this right now. And so he's really trying to kind of get it. And, and, uh, but, he, but he's struggling. And, 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 and frankly, he's struggling with lust. He knows he shouldn't, he shouldn't be struggling with lust. This is a bad thing. And, and, uh, and, and, uh, and he knows God's uh, ticked off about it. And, uh, and, and so he goes to his youth pastor and says, I don't know what to do. I mean, I, 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 I don't, I try not to think of these things. And the harder I try not to think of them, the more I think about them. And, and, and I walk down the hallway and I see these girls in the hall. You wouldn't believe what goes to my mind. And I don't blame God for being upset. I'm upset with me. I'll never, what was I think? I can never be a Christian. I, I, and he finally just starts pounding on his youth pastor's desk. He said, I'm just going to pray right now. God, just take away my sexual desire. And the youth pastor goes, wait a minute. He goes, let me leave the room in case he misses. But, but, but I think what happened is that there's some of us here this morning is that there is a lack of joy, a lack of passion in your dance with the creator. And it's because of discouragement. And that discouragement is rooted in a misunderstanding of grace. Grace. It's not about what. It's about who. But there's a second group of us here today for whom the struggle maybe is not discouragement. Maybe, maybe it's a struggle around discipleship. Like The reason some of us don't really fully enjoy the dance is not for discouragement. It's for discipleship. I... Um, I, I speak at a lot of youth events, and in the summer, that means I am often out at some beach someplace. And, uh, and, and it always intrigues me when you walk down the beach, and I'm sure you've all seen this. When you walk down the beach, you know, it, it's just funny to see different people, the way they respond to the ocean. Some people, uh, for example, um, some people walk out on the pier, you know. They come to the pier, and they walk out, they, and they just, they never actually get in the ocean, they like to kind of hover above it, you know. They love the aroma of it. They, they like the bird, the seagulls, the vibe. Oh, my gosh, it's so beautiful out here. I love the beach. But, but don't ask them to actually get into the water. And then, and then there are people, usually these people are called adults, who, who go to the beach, and, and what they do is they get out a little bit in the water, like ankle deep, Right? Uh, you know, be, you know be, and for a lot of reasons, you know, and, and I'll be honest with you, I kind of get this. I remember, I remember when I was a little boy, I thought the ocean, I thought it was just like this vast playground, you know, right? That's, that, that's where my friends lived, you know, that's where, you know, Flipper and Shamu and, and, uh, and, and, and I thought this is a, this is an amazing place. Something happened to me. I was in graduate school in Boston in the late 70s, and I went to see a movie called Jaws. <laughs> Everything changed after that day. In fact, I remember uh, we'd go to the beach, and I'd say, honey, uh, let's send the kids in first. Uh, you know, because, and, 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 and so all of a sudden, this, this vast arena of fun and beauty and blue kind of becomes this place. So, oh, my gosh, play it careful, play it safe, watch it, get in the water, enjoy the beach, but just stay dry. And, 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 and I kind of get that, but that, that is the way some of us try to enjoy the ocean. And then there's a third approach. This is the approach that's often embraced by our children, where they just run right at it, full speed. 
They just go in there and just get in over their head. They are lapping and splashing and diving and riding. And this big, huge blue thing picks them up and all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I'm off my feet. They come back down. And they begin to understand something about the joy and the adventure of being embraced by this vast, blue, beautiful body of water called the ocean. I think some of us, we live our Christian life on the pier. You, you come on Sundays, you know, because you, you like the vibe. You like the vibe. You, you, you like Denny. You like his hair. You, you, you know, you, you, you like the music. You like the, the room. It's, it's nice. It's warm. And, and, uh, and, 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 and so you come. And, and, but, 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 but there's no way to really fully embrace the dance. You can't really enjoy the ocean from the pier. And then some of us, we come, and maybe you've been coming for years. For years. Or maybe you're a middle school student or a high school person. Maybe you're a college student. And, and you say, no, 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 I, I believe in God. I want to come. I, kinda, I do want to kind of get in a little bit. But don't ask me to put my whole body into this thing. Not everything. There's risk. There's peril. Not sure what's going to happen. And there's no way we can enjoy the dance. There's no way we can enjoy the dance if we're trying to save ourselves. My, my wife loves to watch this uh, TV show called So You Think You Can Dance. Anybody ever seen that show? So You Think You Can Dance. And, uh, and, and if you've ever watched that show, So You Think You Can Dance, these judges, this panel of judges will critique the dancers. And, and, and one of the common remarks that the judges will make, that they'll, they'll, like a dancer will be going like this, you know, they'll be going like this, and you're going, Duffy, we get it, stop. But, but, but they'll be doing, and they said, no, that, that's, you're doing too much self-love. You're doing too much self-love. Men and women, nothing will kill the dance like self-love. Nothing will kill the dance like playing it safe. The dance, if it's going to be a full dance of faith and passion, we have to be absolutely all in. I don't know this morning what kind of questions you're asking. I do know that all of us, in one way or another, we're all face-to-face with Jesus. All of us were created to ask this question deep down, what can I do to earn, to have, to embrace, to live, to know life to the full? And I know that some of us here need to recognize that part of the reason we're not able to enjoy that dance is because we're asking the wrong questions or we have the wrong attitude and therefore we're making the wrong choices. This morning, I want to invite you, I want to invite you to know the wonder and the joy and the promise of this dance. It's not about what. It's about, it's about who. I'm going to close by reading to you a passage of Scripture. It's actually uh, a few chapters earlier in Matthew's Gospel. But in some ways, it beautifully summarizes the lesson of chapter 19. This is in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. And I'm going to read this morning the paraphrase of Matthew chapter 11, 28 that was rendered by Eugene Peterson in the message. It's a great way. It's a great way to summarize, I think, what God might want us to understand about the dance of faith. Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty 30 from the message. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. 
and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Let's pray. How can that be true? Could it really be, Lord, that we could live in a day when there are such heavy and burdensome news stories, when there are such very real concerns about finances, when, when concerns about loved ones plague us, when, when there are relationships at school that kind of haunt us? And How can it be that we could learn to live lives freely and lightly? The Lord, of course, it comes when we follow the lead of our partner, the Lord of the dance, and we learn to be embraced by you and to embrace you. I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters here today that you would help us to enjoy fully and freely the passion of the dance. And this week, and this week, when we start to get discouraged or we start to want to play it safe and forget that discipleship is about full bore going into it all the way. Would you help us to recognize the wonder and the power and the passion of the dance? It's not about what, it's about who. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. I hope to see you this afternoon. Thanks again for listening. Four o'clock, Parent Seminar.